Well, praise God, church. It is so good to be with you and worship with you. I love that song we sang, standing on the promises of God, and that is how we live. And that's an especially kind of good foundation for the new series that we kick off this week. It's called Uncharted. And this series flows out of some thinking that our preaching team has been doing. Uh, We have been thinking a lot about the future. Well, more precisely, we've been thinking about how we think about the future. Uh, In the Bible, there's a letter that James writes to the church, and he says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone knows what is good and doesn't do it, for that person, it's sin. And sometimes we do kind of think the way James teaches us to think. In a time of chaos or loss or confusion, we're kind of hyper aware of how dependent we are on circumstances that are beyond our control and how much we have to kind of trust in God for our future and that our plans kind of never really amount to much. But not usually. Usually we think the other way, don't we? We think I've got a plan. It's a good plan. I'm going to work my plan, and my plan is going to work. And and the difficulty, of course, is that it's good to have a plan. I mean, to just go through life blindly isn't any good either. But something can happen to us where over time we trust our plan more than we trust God. And we get a kind of confidence in our own plans, our own map of what's coming for the future, and it actually hinders our ability to follow God. I'll be honest, I rolled into 2020 and I had a plan. I was more planned than usual. We we had plans for the church. We had big plans for our family. We bought tickets. That's how in advance we were. We bought plane tickets. We knew what we were going to do for vacation. We never know what we're going to do for vacation. But in 2020, we did. I had plans for my personal life. I'd done the whole New Year's resolution thing. and I was even keeping some of them. And then, I mean, you know the story. It's your story, too. Almost none of those plans worked out. Precisely when I thought I had a map for my personal life and my family life and my relational life and my professional life, instead, I found myself in uncharted territory. And it's got me thinking that I need to change my thinking about the future. I expect you know what I'm talking about because I think everybody has this sense that we live in uncharted lands right now. We are off the edge of the map. Whatever plan any of us had for 2020, it wasn't this, right? And now we we look at the future and none of us know. There's an election next week. I don't know how it's going to end and you don't either. I don't even know when it's going to end. With more absentee ballots and mail ballots, the count's going to take longer. That's kind of weird, right? The whole thing feels different. And there's this pandemic. I think you've probably heard about that by now. 
I don't know when that's going to end. I don't know how that's going to end. I don't know how many people will be affected and how badly those who are affected will be affected. And in the meantime, I'm not always 100% sure of how we should respond. There are quarantines that disrupt us at every turn. And listen, I'm a fan. I get it. For the safety of everyone, sometimes we got to, you know, stay home for a little while if we were exposed. I'm not against the quarantines. I'm just aware of how quickly they disrupt even the most basic of plans. You know, I had a plan to meet somebody this week, and we were going to meet outdoors and do it social distancing, but all of a sudden they got exposed and had to quarantine. And what was a face-to-face -face meeting became a Zoom meeting. Or, or somebody calls the church, and this happens every single week. Every single week, somebody calls and says, hey, listen, I was on to volunteer, but I can't because I got exposed. I'm waiting to get tested. And listen, I'm glad for that. That's the way self-screening works. Remember, if you're sick or you've been exposed, stay home so you don't get the rest of us sick. But it does mean that constantly, even the little plans we've made get messed up and redirected. And we find again that we are in uncharted territory. I had a meeting this Tuesday in the afternoon because we had to discuss whether we should change the plans that we made at a meeting that morning. Because in between, the circumstances had changed. And the weirdest thing about that meeting where we tried to decide if we should change the plans that we'd made just six hours earlier, the weirdest thing about it was it didn't feel weird. It sort of felt like what 2020 has been all year long. That's what happens when you're in uncharted territory and you don't have a map, is you're constantly going, is this the right way or is that the right way? And this whole thing has been hard for me, and maybe it's been hard for you because I love maps. Now, my kids, they grew up with GPS, and so they don't mind just knowing one turn after another after another, only the next turn, but not me. I want the whole route mapped up. I want to know where we are and where we're going and every single road we're going to take in between. I want to envision all the obstacles and how fast we'll be driving and what traffic will be like and when we'll be here and when we'll be there and where we'll stop for lunch. I want to plan my strategy in advance and then work the strategy that I planned. And that's the way I like to face my future too. Sometimes I even like to pretend that I've got the whole thing mapped out, planned out with clear paths and a clear destination and clear benchmarks along the way. And maybe you like life that way too, which can be a problem. First, because James says that simply isn't the way the future works. Our plans, while they may be good and they may, be, may guide us, they can sometimes become idols for us that prevent us from recognizing what God is actually doing. In fact, God often leads God's people to uncharted places. Out in the uncharted, where the maps don't go and we don't know what happens next, this is where God does some of God's best work. Some of the best stuff God has for you is when God leads you into the uncharted places. One of my favorite chapters in scripture is Genesis chapter 12. This is where God begins the great redemptive work by calling Abraham to follow him. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, a 400 mile journey. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared again to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued on farther south toward the Negev. I love this chapter and I teach it a lot. And normally I focus on the blessing part, where God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you and through you bless all people, because this is such an important biblical principle. We talk about it a lot, but if you've forgotten, the idea is this. When God blesses you, it is always so that God can bless others through you. So if you've been blessed lately, you should be asking the question, who does God want to bless through me? Because whenever God blesses you, it's always so God can bless others through you. And I love that teaching and I love this text for that reason. But today I want to notice something different. I want us to notice the first command God gives Abram. He says, go to the land that I will show you. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, the land you know, the place you have mapped out, the place you understand and have figured out, and you know where the, the best water holes are and the best place to graze your cattle are. Go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land I will show you. Abraham, leave the place that you know and the people that you know and the relationships that matter most to you to go to a land you've never even seen. And then a few verses later, now he's traveled and he's seen the land. And instead of God showing up and saying, great, this land is yours, God says, this is the land that I will give to your offspring. Verse 7, to your offspring, I will give this land. Abram was called to leave what he knew to go to what he did not know for a land he had not seen and a timeline that was not revealed to him. He didn't know where the land was and he didn't know when he would get it. And I find myself just stunned that God would ask this. That God would ask him to leave what he knew to go to the uncharted wasteland and say, just, just come on, let's go. We're going to go to a place you've never seen. I'll show you, though. 
And, and, and there's no telling when we're going to get there. And even when you get there, well, you won't really be there because we're going to wander on other places. I love the reminder that Abraham spends all this time living in tents. Why is he living in tents? Because he's not planning to stay. He's just wandering around. I'm stunned, God asks. I'm even more stunned that Abraham goes. He's like, okay, leave the land I know, leave the people I know, leave the relationships that matter most to me to go to a land I've never seen on a timeline that is not yet revealed. And then you keep reading the story. And you see that God makes requests like this all the time. Again and again, God says to God's people, come with me to the uncharted places. Come with me to the uncharted land. Uh, there's this one time when they need to cross a river and the river is flooded. And God says, step into the flooded river and I'll make the water stop. But the water doesn't stop until after they step in the river. The, the, the faith comes first, the following comes first, and then the miracle. Or, or the time God says to Gideon, gather your army and give them trumpets and pots and follow me into battle before I scatter your enemies in fear. Or when the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and God says, don't save any food for tomorrow, just get ready for the feast when you eat the food that I have not yet provided. Or in that same season, God tells them, here's how we're going to get you home. Follow a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to a destination I haven't shown you for a number of years that I have not yet revealed for a distance that you won't know in advance. For generations, just, just follow the cloud and follow the fire. I won't tell you where we're going. I won't tell you how long it'll take. But I'll, I'll tell you what your next step is. That, that's all God gives them is their next journey, journey to where the cloud is, where the fire is. Again and again, God leads God's people in this way, away from where the maps would take them, into the un charted paths of faith. And so what this means for us as followers of God today is that if you are regularly following God, taking your next step with God, you will often find yourself in uncharted places. If you're hearing the voice of Jesus and listening to the voice of God saying, come, let's go, come, follow me, God will often be leading you to a destination that God has not yet shown you on a timeline that has not yet been revealed. You could summarize this biblical truth in this way, okay? The decision to trust God often comes before the way is made clear or the destination is known. Listen to that again. The decision to trust God often comes before the way is made clear or the destination is made known. 
And if these stories we just read or we just remembered from God's word are any evidence, the decision to trust God often comes long before the way is made clear or the destination is known. In contrast, of course, so many of the voices in our world promise a clear destination and a simple path. Now, the world doesn't keep those promises, but it makes them. And it is so enticing. It's so, so tempting to believe when the world says, just do this, 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 and you'll get the thing you always wanted. Just do this, 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 and your heart's desire will be promised to you. And all the time, the voices of the world are saying to this, and God says, in contrast, just trust me. I'll take you to the place I haven't even shown you yet. You'll get there on a timeline I have not yet revealed by a path that I have not yet mapped out for you. But I need you to trust me anyway. God says, seek me first and my truth and my guidance and I'll give you all the rest. But God often does not say how or when or what that destination even will be. We are offered, you see, two fundamentally different postures toward the future. So many of the difficult choices we make in life come down to how do we, what do we believe about the future? Do we believe, like James says, that, that we cannot name and know the future, that our lives are a mist, utterly dependent on the providence and care of God? Do we believe that ultimately the best destination for our life lies from when we trust God to know the way and we don't? Or do we believe that we could build a plan? We could build a path to a destination we've already seen. A destination we already know by a path that the world offers us. We see the sharpness of this choice all the time. Uh, the world says in everything you read and every television show you watch that the path to the perfect lifelong romance is promiscuity and desire. Never mind that the social statistics show us that this path almost never works and it's really a recipe for disaster. This is still the path the world offers and the destination is clear, that perfect, happy, happily ever after romance that never has any problems and the path the world offers is simple, you know? Try somebody and then try somebody else and if they're not perfect, dump them and move on to the next person and this is just the path the world offers. And some Christians, in a foolish response to this, try and offer a counterpath. You know, I kind of grew up in the age of, uh, you know, if you'll, just, if you'll just, you know, save yourself for marriage, then eventually you'll get a perfect marriage and everything will be perfect and you won't have any troubles that way. You know, it's, it's the world's path or God's path. But God does something different. God says, let me lead you to a destination that I have not yet shown you. Not the storybook romance but real faithfulness where you trust God and God's way more than you trust any shortcut. God says that chastity, the disciplining of our desires, is the path to the relational wholeness that God has planned for you. But God does not promise a clear destination. 
Not everyone who desires to get married will get married. and Not everyone who desires the perfect marriage will have the perfect marriage. It's an uncharted path to follow God in this way. But God says, come with me to the place that I will show you, to the destination I will give you. Because whenever we are obedient to God, we are trusting God to lead us to a place we have not yet seen. When we make our own way, we're trying to build a map to the thing we have seen. Or, or, or the, another, consider another example. The world says if, if someone does you wrong, well then get them back. Seek their destruction and you will reach the land of revenge. The path is clear, vengeance. The destination is obvious, exultation. And the world says, let me take you to a land you know. Let me take you to the familiar territory of vengeance and revenge and paybacks. And God says, follow me to the land I will show you. To a land you can't get to on your own. God says the path is actually forgiveness, not vengeance. It's mercy, not revenge. It's peace, not paybacks. God does not guarantee where this path will lead, and God doesn't even tell you how long the path of forgiveness might take. We might say, okay, but if I forgive them, will they apologize and be nice to me in the future? God doesn't tell us how fast the path will be. God just says the path of forgiveness is the uncharted path I want to leave you on. There's no map for the path of grace, but it's the only path that leads us to the place God wants to show us. All those other paths take us to a place God doesn't want us to be. Sometimes I meet with people for pastoral counseling. It'll be a, you know, a, a married couple maybe, or somebody, a couple is engaged, or parents and children, or sometimes even friendships or siblings. And, and often those conversations start with a list of all the things that are going wrong. One talks and says all the things that are wrong about the other, and then the other talks and says all the things that are wrong about the first, and we, we kind of stay on the edge of fighting the whole time, and then we kind of wind up in the same spot. All the lists have been listed. All the hurts and slights and disappointments have been kind of laid bare. And sometimes I'll find myself saying, well, I don't have it all figured out. But I do know this one thing. If you have any chance of saving this relationship, you're going to need to start with lots and lots of forgiveness. Just lots of forgiveness. And sometimes there'll be confusion at first and they'll say, but did you hear the list? Did you hear all the things they did wrong and this and this and this and this? And, and I'll say, yes, I heard it. And, and, and I, here's what I know. You know, they can say they're sorry and they can try and take it back. But, but the hurt's out there and, 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 and there's no path that moves forward without forgiveness. And then eventually somebody will say something like this. They'll say, are you sure it will work? If I forgive them, will it save our friendship? If I forgive them, will it save our marriage? If I forgive them, will we be, you know, will our brothers and sisters be brothers and sisters again? And I always have to say, I, I don't know. 
I don't have a map. But I do have a map for all the other options. I know what happens if instead of forgiveness you seek revenge. I know what happens if instead of forgiveness you hold a grudge. I know what happens if instead of forgiveness you keep a record of wrongs. Those paths are mapped out before me and they all end in relational destruction. The only path for which I don't have a map is the path that God would like you to walk with him on. And he says, come with me into uncharted territory where we show radical grace and it will lead to a land that I will show you, to the land that I will give you. There's so many examples. I, um, I was talking to somebody uh, near the beginning of the Love Does Project, and they were thinking about starting a group. And they had a couple friends from work that they wanted to invite to their group. And they came to me and they said, they said, Ethan, I want to invite some of my friends from group, but if I do invite them, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they'll say yes or they'll say no. Maybe they'll think it's weird. Maybe they're interested. Maybe they're not. I don't know what's going to happen. And what was so interesting to me in that conversation was he had two paths before him. The path where he's a bold evangelist for Jesus. And if he walks down that path, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Or the path where he keeps his mouth shut. And isn't it interesting? That's the path that's all mapped out. We all know what happens down that path. They just sort of stay friends. You know, nothing too exciting, but nothing too scary either. It's the path that's mapped. The uncharted path is the path of evangelism. And, and that's sort of always true. I just want to tell you, if you want to be a bold evangelist for Jesus, you're going to have to get used to going to uncharted places. To the, where the map isn't all laid before you and where God just says, come with me to the land that I'll show you. Come with me to the land that I want to give you. You know that's the path God wants to lead you on. It's just the path without the map. And this is just true over and over and over again in evangelism, in forgiveness, in 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 relationships, in generosity, you know, where's the path? And listen, I know there are plenty of false teachers who pretend, you know, there are people who say they're Christians who get on television. If you give $100 to this, God will give you $200 tomorrow. And they've got it all mapped out. Generosity is not mapped out. Now, stinginess is mapped out. That's mapped out. Yes, if you're stingy with your money, you'll probably have a lot of money. It's a false map, though, right? So if you think there's a map, that gets you to security and comfort, wealth and power, to land and houses. Well, there is a map. You know, and the world offers you that map. But it's a false map. Jesus says the story of the rich fool. Remember the one who built the bigger barns but then died the next day? See, what God offers is not the false map to riches but the uncharted path of generosity. God says, how about instead you just seek me first? How about you don't try to build up treasure on earth, you try to invest in treasure in heaven? How about you give generously to the poor and generously to the church and generously to God's people and generously to the work of mission and you just seek my kingdom first and I'll just take care of everything you need. That's just, that's just, that's God's path. And we want to say, could you show us the land that you're going to leading us to? Like, what does that exactly mean when you say tear care of what I need? Like, how big is that house? And how many cars is that? Like, what does that mean when God promises to take care of what I need? And God says, nope, 
I'm going to lead you to a land I have not shown you. And I'm going to give you that land at a timetable you do not expect. Over this uncharted series, we're going to look at just a couple of the ways that God wants to lead your life into uncharted places. We're going to talk about uncharted grace and uncharted evangelism and uncharted relationships. How God wants to lead you to a land that God will show you, but that you'll only get there if you trust God first. But before we tackle these specific truths, we need to grapple deeply with the big truth. The big truth is that the future is unknown. And wherever the world promises you a map, it lies. The destination it promises, it cannot deliver on. And the map that it says where all the twists and turns are routed in advance, it cannot do that. In contrast to the false maps of the world, what we have is God who promises no maps, but who instead teaches us again and again this just monstrous truth that I just want you to wrestle with today. It's a disturbing truth, but it will reorient your life around the will and purposes of God. It's this just, this, just bold claim that the decision to trust God often comes before the way is made clear or the destination of that trust is known. So what do we have? What do we have when we try to follow God into the uncharted paths of generosity and evangelism and love and mercy and faithfulness? You don't have a map. We're not even guaranteed that we'll be shown the destination until we get there. What do we have? Look again at Genesis 12, where God does not offer Abraham a map. He says, I will show you the land where I am leading you. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will protect you. I will bless others through you. And I will give you the land. We don't have a map. We have God. We have the guide. We have the one who says, I'm going with you personally. We're not left with a map or a GPS or Google or somebody else. We're left with God saying, walk with me. I don't know the first time I heard this, but as I have been reflecting on the providence of God who wants to leave us into the uncharted, I'm reminded of something I heard as a little kid. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Tell that to yourself if you've forgotten it. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. In every place that you are trying to follow God right now, you will be following God into uncharted territory. That's the way following God works. Some of you are trying right now to save a marriage. 
I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Some of you are trying to share your faith with a friend and you don't know how they're going to respond and you're building up the courage. I just want you to know, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Some of you are trying to forgive a wound. A relationship has been broken and you don't know how you're going to forgive them or what would happen if you did. Well, I just got to tell you, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Some of you are trying to learn how to confess a lie or to break free from an addiction. And the world offers you a map. Just keep your mouth shut and your head down and tell no one and hopefully no one will notice and and, and it'll lead you to get through another day. I'm just telling you it's a false map and it's not a destination you want to go to anyway. And God is saying, come with me to the land I will show you. But the the path there is going to be confessing and admitting your addiction. And I'm just telling you, I don't know what the future holds because I know it's scary, but I know who holds the future. And God wants to lead you to the place he will show you and you just need to follow him in that. Some of us this year, this is the year we need to learn how to give generously. And we've just seen so clearly through our church this year how the gifts we give to the church are just multiplied in ministry and yet some of us are still timid. Because we don't know what that's going to look like if we were to really give generously into God's work and what would happen and how would that work. And, and we just want just someone to give us a map and, and God just says, let me take you to the land that I will show you. Trust me. The decision to trust God always precedes. We decide to trust God first before we know where God leads us or know how fast we'll get there. Maybe you're trying to release your anger or confront your past or build friendships or get connected at church. I don't know what it is that God is leading you to do, but I know that if God is leading you, it's going to be through some uncharted territory. And along the way, you will not have a map, but you will have a guide. I don't know who holds the future. I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but the one thing I do know is who holds the future. So many questions to which I cannot provide a neat and tidy answer. You read Abraham's path. It was a path of twists and turns. Some caused by his faithlessness. Some caused by opposition. Some we don't even know why they happened. It lasted longer, I'm sure, than he would have expected. They got there later than he would have hoped. But God kept God's promises, like God always does. Come with me, God said, to the land that I will show you, a land you have not seen yet. Leave what you know and come to where I am leading you. See, here's the thing. I can't give you a neat and tidy answer of what your life will look like when you choose to follow God's wisdom. I can't give you a neat and tidy answer, but I can give you a neat and tidy answer of what your life will look like when you ignore God's wisdom. When you follow the false maps that the world's offer that leads to false destinations, you will end up disappointed and rejected Because those maps don't deliver and the place the world promises doesn't even exist. And our God 
when God leads you into uncharted lands, all those places where God does not give you a map, God gives you God's self to you as an ever-present guide. One step at a time, God shines the lamp just enough ahead of your feet so that you can walk in faithfulness. What God says to Abraham, God still says to all those who would follow him, leave your country and your people and come to the land that I will show you. I will bless you, and through you I will bless others. And when the time is right, I will give you the land that I have promised you. Jesus says it this way. He says, go and be my disciples and make disciples, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. There's no map for where God wants to take you. But there is a guide. And that, it turns out, is what we really needed. The way of following God is often uncharted. But the guide is faithful. The guide is with you. And God, our guide, can be trusted to lead you to the land he has prepared for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, teach us to make the decision to trust even before we have all the answers we might want. Teach us, like Abraham, to believe that you will lead us to the land we have not yet seen. You will take us to the place you've prepared for us in a time of your choosing, not always ours. I pray, God, for people that are right now facing hard decisions about do they believe you or do they follow some false map that the world offers that seems to promise quick deliverance and an easy destination? Or do they instead trust you to lead them to the place that you want to show them? I just pray that we would rise up and be people of faith right now, God. God, we're filled with anxieties about our future today, God, about elections and pandemics and decisions and friends and family. We have so much anxiety about the future. Would you just help us teach us to recognize that you are the guide that goes before us. And as you have faithfully led us in the past, you will faithfully lead us in the future, for we are not left alone. We may be mapless, but we are not friendless, for we have Jesus Christ as our friend and advocate he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who goes before us and leads us. And right now, God, we pray in his name as a declaration of our trust in his leadership of our lives, even in uncharted places. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.